Welcome to Life Church this weekend. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and it's so great to have you on this 4th of July weekend. Whether you're joining us online or in person, we are honored that you are with us and taking some time out of your busy weekend to be with us and be a part of what's happening at Life Church. I just want to say a thank you to all the men and women who have served our country in their military service. Uh, we are indebted to you, and we honor you on this 4th of July weekend. Thank you so much for your commitment to our country and to the freedoms that we have. And one of the freedoms that we do have in this country is that we have the freedom and the ability to be able to worship God in any way that we choose. And, and so we're so grateful. We, the local church, are a benefactor directly of what we celebrate on this 4th of July weekend. So God bless you and thank you so much. I wanna take a minute before we get into the message today and we kind of wrap up this series that we've been in to say thank you for your generosity in giving to greater. At Life Church, we have kind of a two bucket system of giving. The first is what we call obedience giving, which is tithe. The Bible says that we are to bring the tithe, that's 10% of our income, into the storehouse. This is what God instructs us to do. And so we do that out of obedience. God wants us to honor him with the 10% of our income and that he'll bless the other 90% greater than the 100%. Obe that's all about obedience. Greater is the second bucket, which is what we talk about when we speak of generosity. This 90%, according to scripture, is yours and mine. It's ours. And so the truth of the matter is, is that we direct where that money goes and, and what we spend that money on. And so when we began to give that 11%, 12%, 13%, we began to give beyond that. That's about generosity. And you are so incredibly generous, Life Church. Even in the middle of what's happened in our world in the last 100 days, your generosity is amazing. It's going to be on the screen, but uh, you gave over $46,822.80. 66 cents just in the last 30 days in the month of June alone. Thank you so much. Year to date, you've given $314,069.85. All of that money goes, what we say, around the corner and around the world. None of that stays here. It's not, it doesn't go for salaries. It doesn't go for, for, for heating bills or, or cooling bills or water bills or, or, or any of the functions that it takes to make a mortgage payment or any of that. It all goes to ministering to people literally uh, around the corner, outreaches, the, the inner city uh, outreach that we have called Life Center in the city of Milwaukee to missionaries abroad and around the world. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your generosity and giving. And I just wanna take one moment and just say this. Sometimes people will come up to me and go, oh, hey, pastor, if there's ever a special need, there's ever a special opportunity, there's something that's needed at the church, please let me know. If that's you and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, um, I would encourage you to give an extra. I know you've been incredibly generous, but an extra gift to greater. Because right now we're in the center, in the, in the middle of just trying to continue to move forward and to kind of forge ahead. And, and so what we're doing, just like for instance, in the city of Milwaukee alone at our Life Center campus, uh, there's a lot of money and resources that are going right there. And, uh, and so we're able to do what we're able to do because of your generosity, but we run at the speed of your generosity. And so the kitchen there alone, to be able to do some of the feeding initiatives we want to do, it's gonna require a commercial kitchen. And so that's tens of thousands of dollars. You can't just go to Home Depot and pick that up. Uh, just the, the food pantry with the food racking systems and things of that nature, just for the shelving, that's not inexpensive, that's, but it's what's necessary in order to do that and do that correctly so we're able to feed 
people in that community. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, we, F, F, and E, fixtures, furnishings, and equipment, just there. Uh, so chairs and audio equipment and video equipment, all that stuff becomes, ex- it's just expensive. And so it, it just is what it is. And so, again, if, if that's not you, don't worry about that. But if it is you and God speaks to your heart it, on the screen, it's already been there. It's going to be there. You can just simply text to give. You can give online. You can write a check and give it in. But just if you make anything towards greater, it's going to go towards initiatives like what we're doing at Life Center so that we're up and running this fall being able to directly minister to needs directly right in that community uh, there in the city of Milwaukee. And so again, it's just another opportunity that if you were to say, man, I've got some extra resources or the Holy Spirit spoken to my heart, just want to take a moment to encourage you to direct those that way. Thank you so much. Now let's get into the message today. If you've got your Bibles, if you would turn with me to John's gospel, chapter number 15, John chapter 15. Uh, We're going to conclude our series on reset. We began this four weeks ago. And, and over these last four weeks, we, we, we've covered what does it mean to reset our lives. So that means to reset means to start again, to do differently. Uh, the first middle of March, about 100 days ago plus, we, we encountered this coronavirus, this COVID-19, all of this that was going on. And, and in the middle of all of that, we found ourselves, our lives just kind of stopped and, and everything that was normal became, just kind of got flipped upside down. And, and in that season, it becomes an opportunity, I think, that God gives us to reset some things, to do some things different, to start again. Don't, don't look at it from, oh, you know, here's the horrible part about it. And here's the negative. There's always an opportunity there that God gives you, that none of this stuff catches God by surprise. He gives you and me an opportunity. And so we have this opportunity to set some things again, to do some things differently. So I've asked you to think about three questions over the course of this series. What do I need to start doing? Maybe there's been some things that you haven't done, you keep putting off, man, I really need to start doing this. I need to create this habit. What are things I need to stop doing? Maybe they've developed over the course of the last 100 plus days, or maybe there was something prior to this COVID-19 crisis that you knew, but you just, this is an opportunity to stop doing some things. And then what are things I need to keep doing? These are things, these are habits, these are decisions, these are rhythms in my life I need to keep doing. So in week one, we talked about the power of review, to take an inventory, to process, to think, to reflect, and to give ourselves some time as we think about what do I need to start doing, stop doing, and keep doing as we reset our lives. Then the second week, we talked about the power of repentance, which means to change, to turn from our ways and to change. And so that's sin in our life, or that's just poor decisions and poor habits that we just need to turn and change. Last week, we talked about the power of recommitment, to commit again to. There is something that happens when we kind of verbally, internally, emotionally say, this is what I'm committed to. And I gave you that simple little story from my grandmother about the chicken and the pig and and about a a contribution versus a total commitment that God doesn't want us to contribute, but he wants us to commit. This weekend, I want to end with a message that I think is very comforting, but also very powerful in the way that we view our lives as we continue to move forward. And that's the word remain. Remain. To remain means to stay. It means to abide. It means to dwell. Remain. Now, John's Gospel, chapter number 15, 
verse 4 and 5, Jesus says these words. Remain in me. Stay, abide, dwell in me, Jesus said. And I will remain in you. I will stay. I will abide. I will dwell in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Look at verse 5. For I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains, if he stays, if he abides, if he dwells in me, and I in him, if I stay and abide and dwell in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John uses the word remain 43 times in his gospel. 43 times. Why? Why does John keep going back to staying, abiding, and dwelling in Jesus? Because it's the key. It's the key of how to follow Jesus. It's the key to live this abundant life. It's the key to have life and life to the full. See, it doesn't matter that I go to church and I give my life to Christ and then I just kind of go and do what I want to do. No, no, no. I remain. I make a choice and a decision when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that I'm going to stay in him. I'm going to abide in him. I'm going to dwell in him. That's going to become my residency. And what Jesus says is that when you decide to remain in me, then I will remain in you. I will live in you. Revelation 3, 19 says that he stands at the door of every man and every woman's heart and he knocks and if we'll open the door and we'll invite him into our heart, he will come in. He will remain. He will stay. He will dwell. I want you to notice that in that passage, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to remain in you. Now you need to remain in me. Hey, I'm going to do this first and you need to do this second. Hey, I'm going to initiate it. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. If you choose, you're not a rock'em sock'em robot. God doesn't control you from some heavenly joystick. If you choose to remain, to stay, to dwell, to reside in Christ, then Jesus, every action has an equal and opposite reaction, law of physics, Again, God created all of this. Jesus, when you choose to remain in him, he will remain in you. So the question isn't, will God remain in me? The question is, will I remain in him? That's why I'm speaking to you today. The choice is yours, not God's. Look at verse 4. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. So how does this work, Aaron? Well, to remain in Jesus means I'm remaining in God's word. I'm staying, I'm dwelling, I'm living in his word. Why is that so important? Because again, John chapter one tells us that the word is Jesus. So if I'm going to remain in Jesus, I'm gonna remain in his word. Very simple. So that's the reason why it's so important that you and I regularly have a healthy diet of God's word, that we're ingesting in a spiritual sense God's word, that we're reading his word and letting him speak because that's how the word of God dwells in us as we read it. That's the reason why at Life Church we do the soap, the scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And we do two chapters a day that we all kind of walk through. Why? Because we all need some accountability. It helps us to remain in his word. The next way to remain is to remain in fellowship, to remain in fellowship with one another. I know that this COVID-19 has really challenged some things. I, I do a, a bi-weekly Zoom-based life group because right now with social distancing and with everything going on, it becomes very difficult to do a life group that way. And, and I'm not the only one. There's many of you that are involved in life groups and you're a part of life groups and you're doing life groups that are developed this way. 
That's okay, and that's great because that's what we have. And, and those of you that are watching online, I mean, this is how we're able to connect. And, and, and again, you don't need to come back into a physical uh, church building until you feel either that we get clearance or, or that you feel comfortable because of your health issues or requirements or whatever there may be. No, no judgment at that at all. But the point of the matter is, is that we need each other that we don't need to be alone, that part of, of, of remaining in Christ is when we're together with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the reason why Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, if two or more of you gather together, if two or more of you uh, agree together on anything, it'll be done for them by the Father in heaven. There's power in fellowship. That's how we remain in Christ is by fellowship one with another. That's why it's so important for us to come together and to have church. It's why it's so important for us to be involved in life groups. It's why it's important for us to be serving in ministries together. This is not about hearing a preacher preach or a singer sing or checking the box that I did church. No, 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 no. It's about relationships, fellowship. Another way to remain is to be remaining constant in prayer. Because why? Because prayer is basically a good spiritual word for conversation between you and God, between you and Jesus. How do I dwell? How do I live? How do I abide? By talking to the Lord, by making sure that there's a regular conversation that's happening that I'm living with. Think about this in your own home where you reside, where you dwell, where you live. You talk to those people. You have conversation with those people. You communicate. And, and if anything goes wrong, what happens? Communication falls silent and people don't talk. And you either have a child that's kind of sold up and they're not talking or, or a husband and a wife, you're mad or you're upset with each other and you quit communicating and it becomes silent. The conversation stops. Same is true of prayer. Prayer is how that keep that conversation going. If I'm going to dwell in Christ and he's going to dwell in me, we're going to be living together, then I need to be talking and communicating. That's what prayer is. And another way to remain faithful uh, and to remain is to be faithful in service. It's to be faithful in service. So whatever God's called me to do, whatever, whatever gifting, whatever grace, whatever he's asked me to do, I remain in him and he remains in me by me doing acts of service in, in his name. So whether I'm serving in the ministry at the church, it's my vocation and my calling. It's, 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 it's me giving and going in the name of Jesus. Whatever I do, whatever my hand finds to do, I do it as unto the Lord. As I do that, Christ is in me and he and, and I'm in him. And there is this, it's just, it's that feeling that you get when you go on a mission trip or you serve or you give. When you as the creation act like the creator, you operate with generosity. More, that's why it's more blessed to give than to receive. That feeling that you have, that excitement that you have, that peace that you have, that joy that you have, that's the feeling of remaining in Christ. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with a feeling. We're all created to feel. That's how God created us. But it's more than that. But that's some of the, mm, the goodness, the, the, the wow, this is awesome. It's that connecting point that I just feel like I'm in the zone, that I'm in Christ and he's in me. And, man, I'm just kind of firing on all cylinders. So ways to remain are in his word and fellowship and prayer and in service. So what happens if you don't remain? So glad you asked that question. You are so incredibly smart. Let's go back to the text. Look at verses 5 and verse 6. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Zero, not a big fat goose egg. Look at verse six. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. So the first thing that we see is that when you don't remain in Christ, there's no fruit in your life. There's no productivity in your life. There's no, you can do nothing. And if you look at your life and you go, man, I'm not really bearing much fruit. I'm not really doing much. It could be a season that you're in, or it could be that you're just not remaining. And I go, where are you with your relationship with Jesus and his word and prayer and community with other fellow believers? These are important. This isn't just a box that we check. It's not about that. God doesn't care that you went to church or didn't go to church or virtual or in person or it's are you relating and connecting with the body of Christ? That's what's so important. How's your prayer life? How's your serving other people? Maybe it's just all about you. Again, we don't bear fruit. And the other thing is, is that we don't have a future. We wither and we die. Unfortunately, I pastored long enough that I've seen people. I've seen people that think that if they go to church, that that makes them a Christian. It's no more does going to church make you a Christian than going into to a, to a garage makes you a car or going to Taco Bell makes you a taco. It just doesn't work that way. It, it, it means it's a decision that I made in my heart and in my life. It's something that I'm living out. And so I've seen people just think that, well, they can just show up at church, and, but there's no fruit in their life. There's no bearing in their life. And then I've unfortunately seen people that just kind of walk away from all this and say, it's not for me. No, that's not the case. The case is, is that you're not abiding. You're not dwelling. You're not living. You're not choosing to have residency. It's like having a house and never going to it. It's like having an apartment and never going there. It's like having a condo and you never show up. Yeah, there's mail that goes there and there's deliveries that go there. Uh, it's kind of like the lights are on, but no one is home. You don't really dwell there. You don't really live there. It's just an address that you want people to think. And sometimes in our life, if we're not careful as we're following Jesus, we're not really remaining to him. It just looks like we are because we check a couple of boxes or the lights are on or there's mail coming to that address. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're not there. Again, these are decisions that we make. And then what happens eventually is, is that people just kind of walk away and say, I'm just done with this. No, 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 no. Remember, Christ is not going to leave you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. This whole remaining to stay, to dwell, to live in is about you based upon God's word saying, this is what I want. And Jesus will always reciprocate. He will always be there. He will never leave you. You may choose to leave him. He will never leave you. Doesn't matter how bad, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what you say, he will never leave you. That's the power of this. So I want to end today with, with just a few things here back in, in this passage about promises, promises for remaining. When you choose to remain in Christ, what are promises? And this is to me some things that give us real comfort in this season of uncertainty. It gives us certainty and confidence in a season of our world and our life that's very, feels very uncertain. It feels like there's such fluidity that it's just, man, anything could happen any day at any hour. It's where we're able to really Lean on God's word so heavily that if it were to move, we would fall. We're able just to lean on the strong arm of Jesus, that he's our comfort and our strength. The first thing is, is that when you remain, when you abide, when you live in, there's going to be spiritual fruit in your life. 
spiritual fruit. Look back at verse 5. He says, for I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. What kind of fruit are you talking about? Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Handy, just look at this. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what he's speaking of. If you want love in your life, if you want joy in your life, if you want peace in your life, if you want patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, if you want to kind of have your stuff together, the key to that is abiding in Jesus. Again, I didn't write the book. You go, that's just too simple. No, that's the fruit. If I strive, if I choose that this is where I'm going to dwell, this is where I'm going to live, this is where I'm going to remain, and I do that in, my, in my, my conversation with prayer, I do that in God's word, I do that in service, I do that in fellowship in the local church. When I choose to do that, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that's going to be the product of that. That's pretty great, isn't it? It's really awesome because it doesn't mean that it's not about anything else external. It doesn't mean I have to have anything other external. It's a decision between me and Jesus. I can't control you. I can't control my neighbors. I can't control my job. I can't control the the stock market. I can't control government. I can't control anything else in my world. But the one thing I can control is me. And God's word says that when I choose to remain in Jesus, he will remain in me. And that will produce fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I keep looking down because I want to make sure I miss any of those good fruits. That is something that has nothing to do with what's going on in our world. It has to do with what Jesus is doing in your heart. Second promise is for spiritual power. You'll have spiritual power power. There'll be power in your life to overcome. Look at verse 7 of John chapter 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's the word of God, the Bible, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Wow. See, Jesus isn't saying he's some cosmic ATM. He's not saying that he's here just to, just to give you whatever whim. But the truth of the matter is, when I'm striving to dwell and to live in Jesus, which means I'm having regular conversations with him in prayer, I'm reading his word on a regular basis, I'm involved in serving other people, which is the heartbeat of God, and of giving of my time and my talent and my treasure. And, and then at the same time, I'm also... Uh, uh, giving myself to, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm in life groups and, and I'm regularly at church and, and I'm connected and I'm committed to, to the local church. I'm in fellowship with, with brothers and sisters in Christ, just like we see in the book of Acts, Acts 2, 42. All these things are what's happening there. When I do that, then what's gonna happen in my life is I'm gonna be in Christ and Christ is gonna be in me in such a synchronization that my will will become his will. And his will will become my will. And they will sync up at such a connecting point that whatever I begin to ask of the Lord 
he will do it for me because I'm going to be on his page and he's on my page and, and I'm growing more like him. See, the problem with sin and disobedience, it isn't that you really want to do those things. It's that you have this desire to do those things and then they're opposite of what God's word says. And so there's this war and this struggle. And we're going to talk more about that in Romans 6, 7, and 8 as we get into the book of Romans later on this year. And we continue on in that journey in that series. So the, the key to overcoming the struggle is to allow yourself to remain in Christ and for Christ to remain in you. And what happens is those disobedience uh, actions and sin and all of that stuff that continues to flare up, it begins to not just be suppressed, but it begins to die. And God's word, Jesus doing the will of God begins to rise up and grow this harvest of righteousness in your life so that you no longer desire some of those things that you did before, but you desire to serve him. And then your heart is about those things and your life is about those things. And then you begin to say, Lord, I, I, I want to do greater things for you. And I, I, I want to see my business grow, not just for my own benefit and my own profit, but for that of other people and to be able to help people around the corner, around the world. I want to do more for greater. I, I want to do more for the kingdom. I, I want to be able to go on mission trips. I want to be able to go and change the world. I want to be able to do this. I want to serve people. I want to love people the way you want me. All of a sudden your heart changes. I mean, and think about how great that is. If what you want to do is what he wants you to do. And what you don't want to do, he doesn't want you to do. The conflict is gone. It's what John's gospel is talking about. Again, don't look at me like that's some Pollyanna thought. Those are Jesus' words. Take it up with Jesus. Email Jesus at Jesus at Hotmail.com. Don't do that. I don't know if that's a real address. But I'm, you understand what I'm saying? The reality is I'm just telling you his word says that there will be power in my life that whatever I ask, it'll be done. If I'll just remain. So let me land the plane today. As we go back over this series, reset, to set again, to do differently. As you have reviewed, as you repented, as last week we talked about recommitment, and today to remain, to stay, and to dwell. If you will do these things, your walk with Jesus is going to last. This is my reason for preaching this series. It's because, look, in these last days, there will be all kinds of things like we've experienced in the last 100 days. And Jesus says, when you see all this stuff happening, don't fret and fear. Just lean on him. Trust in him. It's not caught God off guard. It's not surprised him in any shape, form, or fashion. Rather, it has, he's there. The journey to follow Jesus isn't easy. And there are going to be seasons. There are going to be seasons of loss and loneliness and seasons where it's going to be great and awesome. But what we know is, is that he's not left us. He's not forgotten us. And when all these things begin to happen in the world, they just begin to indicate that the return of Jesus is near. So prepare our hearts. We know that this world is not our, our eternal home, but heaven is our home. We, and, and heaven is, is a, a place where there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no disease, there is no division, there is no, there's nothing to reconcile. It's all been reconciled. 
There's no need to ask for redemption because we've all been redeemed. And so I just want to encourage you. Don't give up. Don't become dismayed. Don't throw in the towel. But rather, in this season, use these as opportunities. Use this as an opportunity to set again. Make this as an opportunity to choose today that you're going to remain in Christ and then Christ will remain in you. That you're going to be committed to prayer. You're going to be committed to his word. You're going to be committed to serving and to giving and going as he does and as he has and as he illustrates. And you're going to be committed to the local church. We need each other. I'm here to serve you. That's my job. My job is to serve you and in turn you serve the world. And we're all here for a world that's lost and that's in need of Jesus. So I want to pray for you today on this 4th of July weekend as we end this series and we kind of go into a brand new series next week and we're just going to kind of begin to just go through some some great preaching and teaching throughout the course of this summer. And and I love summer in Wisconsin. I think it's one of the greatest places to be is to be in Wisconsin in the summertime. I just want to remind you our best days are ahead. I want to remind you that God's not forgotten you or forgotten me or forgotten us. I want to remind you that God is still on the throne and that seasons like this have come and they'll go. And seasons like this will come again and they will go. But God's word is what's going to remain. So as we today remain in him, he will remain in us. So regardless what's happening around us, we have that strength and that assurance. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you for your word that is so powerful, that's so empowering, that it corrects us, but it doesn't correct us in a way to destroy us, but rather it corrects us in a way in which to help us and to empower us. And I pray help us today to choose, even as Christ followers, to maybe recommit ourselves that we're going to remain in you. We're going to dwell in you. We're going to stay in you. And knowing that you will do the same in us. This isn't lip service. This comes out in our prayer time. This comes out in our reading of your word, our soap, our scripture, observation, application, prayer daily. It comes out in our being at church together and being involved in life together with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It comes out in our service to our neighbors, to our city, to our world. It's what we do in greater, not just with our money and resources, but with our time and our talent. Help us today. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for providing for us these last 100 days. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to provide the next 100 days and the next 100 after that, and continue on until we see your face, Jesus. Thank you for the power, for the strength that we have in you, for the love and for the joy and for the peace and for the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the, and the gentleness and the self-control that we have that only comes from you. Thank you for the power that we have that when you're in us and we're in you, we can ask whatever we will and it will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.